What is up, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Roberti here with another episode. And if you've heard a lot of people who they go through a near-death experience and how their lives were transformed and how they came out of that near-death experience so differently, you're going to get an idea of that wisdom in this episode. We have a guest on the show who has gone through that type of experience. And in his book, Revelations, Wisdom from Beyond the Veal, he provides empowering insights from near-death experiences that other people have gone through so that you are able to learn all of this great wisdom without you yourself having to go through the near-death experience. (laughs) And our guest who joins us for this episode is none other than Reverend Rich Warden. Rich Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. I greatly appreciate it. Rich, it is such a pleasure to have you on Bright Through Success. And there are so many people who do get transformed by that type of thing. But I feel like one of the most unfortunate things is people have to wait for the near-death experience to be transformed. You have people who, Mm. when they get older, you've got the top five regrets but it's the near-death experience that wakes people up. So how can people who they haven't gone through a near-death experience get some of the wisdom that people who do go through that type of stuff get? Well, besides reading my, reading my book, of course, <laughs> there are lots of articles and, written, and books have been written about it. It's the, uh, it actually started in 1978 with uh, the publication of uh, Life After Life by uh, Raymond Moody. He's considered the father of the near-death experience um, phenomenon. Um, I have, I, of course, I went through one myself. I had an out-of-body experience uh, several years ago. I was making a left-hand turn on a country road, and a woman at a, uh, driving at a very high rate of speed hit me on the right-hand side of my car, pushed my car 30 feet sideways back down the road. And I remember two things from that. One was an officer, I'm an officer, you've been in an accident, you okay? And I said, like, yeah, why? Sure, sure. And all of a sudden, I saw the roof of the car disappear. I was still sitting at the steering wheel, but I looked forward and I could see two black lines going into the future. And I knew intuitively or telepathically, it was told, if I went there, I wouldn't come back. And I said, well, I got a good wife, I got a beautiful wife, I got a beautiful, I got a good career. Why would I want to do that? And I woke up three hours later, laying on a gurney in a hospital. They had flown me from where I got hit in uh, Southern Maryland to uh, Washington General. So I know firsthand that my brother had had, uh, uh, triple bypass when he was 53. They shut his heart down. He left his body, went through the tunnel of the light and the light. And then he was told that it wasn't his time yet, that he had a wife and a son who still needed him. And bang, he was back. That's when they resuscitated. They just, you know, they shut his heart down to attach the bypass and then they woke him, then he resuscitated him. We find out now since that in the early 1960s, more than 20 million Americans have gone through I've been I call it an experience or have experienced a near-death experience. Parts of holes of it are not. Many of people have written books about it. Um, I've been fascinated by that since 1978, when I read the Tao of Physics, 
and uh, Dancing Willie Mastery by Gary Zukov and Moody's Life uh, After Life, Science and Religion Together. And it's interesting about your experience because I've had people on the show who they have the near-death experience. It's not always because of something like a car crash. It's mm -hmm. sometimes it's self-inflicted where someone mm -hmm. makes a whole bunch of wrong choices, puts right. themselves in a really bad spot. Right. But it sounds like you had a good life before that happened. So yeah. other people who I've heard from, their near-death experience is like, I got to get my acts together. I have to mm -hmm. make all these drastic changes in my life so I'm able to get out of the addiction or whatever it is. How did you change from that experience? Because it was also near death, but it's not like you had any really, just based on what I know, any really dramatic thing happening or any. But uh, what I gained from that was that the knowledge that free will is not confined to just this earthly plane. We have free will. We choose to, and, and we actually choose to live or die. I had a friend who, uh, an ordained minister, almost 80 years old. He had uh, a, a near-death experience, but they brought him back, and he came back very angry. He said, I was beautiful there. It was wonderful there. Why did you bring me back? Well, it turns out he hadn't finished. He had some life work to do. He finished it, and about six months later, he quietly left in the middle of the night. And I know at this point, he's a very happy fellow. But about three, about three quarters of the people who have a near-death experience are a result of a heart attack, heart failure. That's mostly, that's what the statistics are saying. So about, and I've had, uh, I've had a heart attack. I've got a stent in my heart. Uh, I've been through that routine too. So <laughs> it's in my, it's in the EPM, my epigenetic, and my DNA. And with the near-death experience, and I have, I mean, you with the near-death experience, it's, you have to be in a position where you're about to die or it's like a coin toss and. It's your choice. Yeah, it's your choice. But, but I also, but I also believe that people set themselves up for that. This is one of the lessons they chose to learn in this lifetime. They learned it and came back. And then many of them have come back radically changed. Mm. In fact, there is a statistic that, that eight out of 10 people who experience one will divorce within 10 years. Because the change is so dramatic, so drastic, people don't know who this new person is. Mm. And so it's, it's profound with them. But what they've, what they've come back with, though, the, the, what really fascinates me because of being an ordained minister is the descriptions of God. Some of them call it a being of light. Uh, if you're not a religious person, you call it a, the, uh, a field of infinite potential. It's the same thing. Whether you believe or you don't believe, have faith or you don't have faith. I have, been, I have a background both in science and in, uh, in theology. I was, I was a pioneer in the field of environmental impact analysis many years ago. And from that and my studies and over the years of, in theology have basically come to, I come to a belief that I, there, there's no reason not to have faith. 
And I mean, with the change that you go through, you mentioned how the change that it really impacts how other people view you. And sometimes you do have to decide because of the changes I've gone through. It's not life as usual. It's no really dramatic. So how do we continue to embrace the people who have always been with us and how do we also choose to let go of the people who after this near-death experience we think oh we shouldn't really be hanging out with so and so and we should focus more on those people other people they'll basically self-select themselves out if they can't adjust to it they will leave and these people that have had the experience will move on and their dynamics of their life will change and over a period of time they just kind of come to it as discussion that Look, this is different. I don't like it, and then they'll they'll leave and they'll go on. Many of them have written uh, books on it. I understand about 700 books have been written on the near-death experience. I'm just one of the newest ones out there. Hmm. Um, the effect the effect that most people have is uh, mostly very positive. Very few have come back with a very negative one. In fact, some people come back now. In some of them, where in fact uh, they would call themselves beforehand atheists. They used to think that I, they say, well, I no longer think there is a God. I know there is a God. That's how profound it changed a lot of people. Their concept of heaven and hell, the whole thing of love. Love is supreme. What love is, is basically they say that love is the true religion. And that God is a loving, uh, is, uh, un- unforgiving. It was a... Uh, uh, unconditionally forgiving, loving, compassionate individual or being of light, if you want to call it that. And they said they also has a great sense of humor. <laughs> like some of them were saying, one fellow recorded an experience with one of them. He was talking to this, what he thought was God. And he says, he was laughing because uh, God said, I'm, I'm laughing because you don't believe in me. What do you think now? And the guy said, oh, changed his mind. <laughs> 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 it changed his mind. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, the life review is one of the most important pieces of this whole thing. Mm. What you do is you get a chance to see your life played out before you. And that's interesting. In it, but what really affects people is you get to feel the impact you have on someone else. If you hurt somebody's feelings, you get to feel their feelings. If you love somebody, you get their feelings. A lot of them come back. Uh, Dr. Alexander was one of them. He said he came back. He said, man, I changed my life. He was a real type A. We'll uh, be quiet. Uh, there's, uh, there's other terms you can use for it. But uh, He said, no, I changed. He says, ah, whoa. Uh, and when he saw the, and felt the impact he had on other people, he said, oh, my God, I've got to change. I really have to change. Because what he sees when he saw when he went on went on the other side went beyond the veil, he saw a life of beauty and and uh, joy, and saw the other the other realms of existence. In fact, there's like ten realms of existence beyond this one. In fact, in the uh, Quran, in the uh, in the Torah, and Buddhist teaching, they all talk about ten levels. In science, uh, the superstring theory and the multiverse theory also speaks of 10 levels. So there's science and religion there beyond the thing. There's not only just one plane beyond you, but several planes beyond that. 
And the plane that you go to after this life is based on existing how you did in this life. If you get stuck and they think, oh, there's one thing that people call the void. And the void is, it's literally, there's no love, there's nothing there. But you can escape it if you want to. But the way you do it is simply to call out, God help me. Or the angels or these other beings of light, and they will help you get out of it. Those who have had a hellish experience uh, get stuck in there. And they get stuck in there because they're caught in a earth plane passion. Uh, and, they, and they'll stay there for a long period of time. So people like Hitler will probably be there for several centuries before he gives up or he finally realizes he's, he, what his errors are. So people that have done uh, rather nasty things to the rest of the beings will not come back for a while. That's reassuring to me. But at the other hand, if you're in there and you all of a sudden are frightened, you know what's going on, you can ask for help and you're out. And with these near-death experiences, it's just interesting to see all the different things that mm -hmm. come out of it and how people's lives are changed. Oh, and yeah. I think part of it that's so fascinating is people don't think they're going to die until something mm -hmm. dire happens. Right. And I'm wondering, looking at your experience, did you think of any regrets you would have had if, let's say, you didn't make it? out of that incident, what were no. some of those regrets? If uh, any? No regrets at, the, at that point. I, had, I was at a very good place in my life. Awesome. With a beautiful wife and a good life. And uh, I, looking back, I now understand in a greater sense, I've always had a sense of, yeah, there is something beyond this. But now I know there's something beyond it because I've been part of there. I've been, I've seen enough. It was like, what I saw actually was what I would describe as the valley of the shadow of death. They talk about in the 23rd Psalm. I think I've been there. I've been there. I've seen what it looks like. I can see what's happening and I don't fear it. Uh, I, I, what, in fact, a lot of people don't fear death. What they're, what they're more, more concerned about is the process of dying. I mean, mm. I just laid to rest a, a nephew who went through three years of uh, four-stage colon cancer. Wow. He had a very, very rough layout of it. Uh, but now, and the night that he passed, I know the, this is the power of prayer. I finally said, uh, because I visited him, and I, and, and I, I prayed to my sister, because she was the, the nephews, since, come take your little boy home. He's hurting. He's really hurting. And at the moment of death, his wife was there, and she was said that she said he said something about, "Mom, Grandma, what are you doing here?" And lay back and left. I really believe she listened to my prayer, and she took the little boy home. And I laid him to rest two years ago on the family plot next to his mother's ashes, his grandmother's ashes, between the uh, graves of two of his grandparents. I mean, that's a very powerful story. And I mean, it gets you to think a lot deeper about what you do while you're still here. Absolutely. To think deeper about all this different stuff. And I mean, I think, I think the pandemic is being the experience we're having now uh, is a, a lesson 
that's yeah. been brought to the whole it amplifies it. whole human family, not just one, but all of us. It's going to make a lot of different changes. Our life will not go back to what it was before, and it, does, it shouldn't go back to where it was before. I think that uh, uh, we're going to look at something like the role of cities. The mayor of London the other day said, it says there are there are several streets in downtown London that have been blocked to it. He said, they may, leave it, they may leave it that way. So people can walk back and forth, they can ride bicycles together, and that will change. New York City, the people in New York City, uh, one of the nice things they commit, they say, hey, they discovered they got neighbors. Hey, they got neighbors next door. Hey, what are you doing? You know, uh, I mean, there are so many things that have done that are going to come from this that are so positive. And it's at this point in time that it was in the 1960s when we first started hearing about the near-death experience. In fact, the foreword to it, it was written by a friend of mine who uh, had a near-death experience giving birth to her first child. Uh, and she forgot it. It was so traumatic at the time. This was 1963. She said if she told anybody, she said the next thing they would probably put her in a mental institution. But 14 years later, it kind of came back to her uh, from a reading of, from my psyche, and she relieved the whole thing again. And at 14, and that child now, and she are the closest of friends. They're their they're, they're, they're primary supporters of each other. That's all, in fact, that life, that, that experience, and any woman who has given birth, you want to read the foreword to the, my book, it, it's a very dramatic experience. I mean, there's just so many near-death stories and experiences, oh, yeah. and all of them each have the power to give us so much wisdom and just look life in an entirely different way. I know Rich's book, Revelations, Wisdom from Beyond the Veal, really goes deep into this, shares the wisdom, and provides a variety of stories that can really be useful for building on this conversation. So, we will be throwing that book in the show notes for everyone who wants to get their copy. But would you say there are any other places we could go to keep following your work and journey? Uh, yeah, uh, in the uh, in my book, I put the, the I talk about the uh, the genius masterminds group, uh, and I'm inviting people, and there are just a few that they all know who they are, to join me in uh, doing some research on the near-death experience, going into things like um, the, the, the appendix in my book is called The Diamond Principle of Ethical Reciprocity. And it's my version of the golden rule upgraded and including at the ethical reciprocity, it's the same thing. The golden rule says treat, treat or do not treat other people as you would wish to, wish to be treated or not be treated. That's what the, uh, the humanists say. That's the call. They call that the ethic of reciprocity. So I call it the diamond principle because the diamond is, is, is carbon, and carbon is the third most uh, 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 that's the third at large element of the, of the earth. Everything, I mean, crystals and things come from that. And so uh, I, I go into that about reason for it. But I would like to go further into why hasn't the near-death, why hasn't, sorry, why hasn't the golden rule been more effective? Hmm. And there are, I, I get into five reasons why it hasn't and five reasons it has in there. And I'm looking for other people who have an interest in wanting to go further with this. Because right now, 
with this pandemic, we have a choice as a human race. We can ignore each other and go on our, and, and self-extinct ourselves, or we can work together and we can learn to love each other and care for each other, but on a, on a very solid, not just woo-woo stuff, but reason, a good solid reason for working together. Well, you, it's obviously, I mean, the people that have not been, look at some of the essential workers that are now being recognized and they're not well paid. Some of the people are harvesting your crops. People who serve you uh, in restaurants. These people provide you an essential service, but they're not being well paid. We need to look at that at the lessons of inequality. Many of the people that are uh, that are dying of uh, of the pandemic, of the uh, COVID, are in uh, are older people, and they're in homes, and these are for profit organizations. I think it's time, and I think we're going to take a good, solid look at just how do we treat our older people. I'll be 80 this year, so I've been—I uh, got another 10, 15 years, perhaps, before I go. But um, yeah, there's there's so much positive stuff that's going to come out of this, and the reason that the that the near-death experience has come forward is it's to me it was discovered in the in the 60s and the 70s and. Moody did a lot of work on it, and he finally published a book on it and started to talk to people that there is something beyond this plane, and it's a plane of hope. It's a plane of beauty, but you choose to go there or not, and how you live your life makes a big difference, and the purpose of life, as they some of them say, is simply selfless service to others without any idea or any expectation of anything in return like you're doing here, Mark, you are a businessman, but you're also providing a good service. Um, one of the uh, people, uh, one of the best known researchers is Phyllis Atwater. And she talks about the children of the NDE. And she says in there that what she believes is we're bringing in a whole new race of human beings. And young people like you, are, I think, are the forerunners of that group. You're bright. You, I mean, you look at. You started at 11 years old. <laughs> yeah. My God, man, <laughs> that is outstanding. I mean, they, they were talking about yesterday a young boy just graduated from college at 14. Wow. 14 years old, and he just graduated from college. Talk about people that have come on. I mean, there, there's just the uh, look at uh, like the young people like this 16-year-old uh, Greta Thunberg from Sweden and the whole thing of climate change. 16 years old, she changed the world. She got young people to join with her. And uh, this was the first 125 countries. And then the second time was 156 countries. The Sunrise Movement, they're young people. They're trying to say, we understand that if we don't change for the way we are existing now, we may not be here. Some are saying by the year 2050, we could be self-extinction. Mm. Uh, that's pretty that's pretty radical. But the stage you can see what's going on around you, and one of the interesting side effects of the new of the pandemic is a 17% decrease in air pollution. Mm. So you can see what can happen. You see the impact we have simply because the fact that we're not driving as much, not as much stuff is being used, and therefore there they this clearly seen the impact we are having on the climate. So that's another side of it. There's many things that are going to come from this. 
I mean, there's just so many different ways to view all the events that are happening. And the wisdom that we can get from hearing about other people's near-death experiences can give us a much better perspective on life. So we will have the link to Rich's book in the show notes. But Rich, I mean, I do want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Well, it was my pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much. There's still a lot more we can talk about, but it's, uh, I think this has been good. Thank you so much, Mark. And uh, bless you, young man. You're doing a good job. What I can see, I've got a 16-year-old great grandniece that I'm working with now. She is a bright young woman. She sees the connection between science and religion. She's a bright young lady. I'm working with her. It's, uh, I'm just, it's a joy to see her and people like yourself and others are coming on. Thank you for being for uh, the invitation. I greatly appreciate it.